We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 5th, 2013. And today, just pretty much a general current event study. Uh, the current events are just, just beyond horrific. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Uh, it's just evil is truly increasing on every sides and on every side and increasingly being targeted at Christians, flagrantly and increasingly targeted at Christians. And uh, <clears throat> Bible said it was going to be this way, but we're going to be going over a, a variety of different current events that have happened this week. Before we get into the main part of the study. <clears throat> Just some Bible verses. These are Bible verses regarding truth. I get a lot of questions from listeners, and I've, I know I've went over these in the past, um, but it's good to re, kind of refresh our memory regarding, because there's different instances in the Bible where it says how you would handle giving someone truth or debating with someone or these types of things. And this comes up a lot with uh, my listeners, or anybody that, that has a, a knowledge of the things that we talk about on a week-to-week basis, you're going to get a lot of resistance from people, typically. <clears throat> your 99.99% percentile, if you know this information, because there's very few people that are, I believe, that are really truly saved, and hopefully the majority of my listeners are, and if you're not, please go to contendingfortruth.com and click on the Salvate True Salvation tab. And I have a series of teachings that walk you through everything. But beyond that, even the ones that are saved, there's very few that aren't extremely deceived regarding the days and times we're living in. Uh, because they're not getting it from their corporate 501c3 Pastors typically, not saying every time, but typically they're not. It's the norm. And so therefore they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're ignorant of Satan's devices and he's getting an advantage of them. And the Bible says not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And there's more devices of Satan now than there's ever been ever. So frequently you're going to, you're going to be engaging people, um, <clears throat> whether it be in the workplace, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, Regarding truth. And the Bible has a lot to say about that subject. And what I did is I tried to kind of do a little synopsis of the verses that get into that. Not to say this is exhaustive, but it, it'll give you a pretty good idea of how to handle things. Because again, I get a lot of emails from people saying, what should I do about this? What should I, I mean, I've been debating this guy or this woman and they're in this cult almost. as some pseudo-sect of... Christianity, some whatever little cult belief system they're in. Um, <clears throat> Seventh-day Adventists, Mormons, Jehovah Witness, Hebrew Roots, some of the worst. Um, these types of debates. And from what I've found, people that are in those areas are, it's not that they want to know the truth. They're trying to convert you. They're trying to destroy your faith. We want to think the best of people and think, no, they're not really trying to do that and they're really open-minded. The vast majority of time, they're not open-minded. They don't want, it doesn't matter what kind of biblical truth. You could put, literally, I have documents that are, you know, 20, 30 pages long of just Bible. It doesn't matter what you put in front of them. They'll isolate some verse and usually a perverted Bible that's not even a King James, and just try to knock you over the head with that all day long, and it'll never end. It will never end. Or they'll try to go outside the Bible into whatever pet theology they've bought into that does not have a biblical base and convince you from that standpoint, which is really bad because then you're, then you're arguing, arguing apples and oranges. You're, you're arguing from a totally different playing field. They're on one playing field, which is their little cult theology reality to them, and you're trying to argue from the King James Bible. They many times, a guy emailed me this week, for example, some wacky sect of Hebrew Roots movement, 
uh, Christian Zionism, where it's very, very rabbinical. Um, oh, I mean, not, that's just never ending. I've done more teachings on that than just about any other thing I've done. If you, if you want to see those, just King Hebrew in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And, you know, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and, and you got to do this on Tuesday, because if you don't, you're going to hell. And you got to do that on Wednesday, because if you don't, you're going, and you got to wear this a certain way, and you got to have this done a certain way, or you're going to hell. It's all works-based. I've, I've, I've said this many times. There's only two religions on the planet. Born again, Bible-believing Christianity that goes by the word of God. For you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not to say, works won't follow salvation. Not to say you get saved and live like the devil. Okay, there's a balance though. Yes, you can show them your faith by your works, true, If but many people want to put the cart before the horse. Like Catholics, for instance. They're earning their way to heaven. Why? They keep the seven sacraments. They go to confessional. They do this. They do that. Oh boy, I'm doing this. I went through my catechism at this age, and I did this, and I got baptized as an infant, and oh, I'm all right with God right now. Yeah, right. It's all works-based. They're trying to earn their way into heaven. So you have all your isms, Catholicism, Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Satanism, whatever it is. They're all isms trying to earn their way into wherever they're trying to get to. Whether that's heaven, nirvana, hell, like in the case of a Satanist. Um, that's how they, they view things. Muslims are no different. Hey, I mean, the more, the more uh, infidels they kill, the, the greater their reward in paradise with their 72 virgins and white-skinned boys. You know? So, you've got all your workspace religion, and then you have Jesus Christ did it on the cross. Death, his death, burial, and resurrection. His shed blood. Okay? Through Jesus Christ. Not works-based. You do it through him. Okay, so you've got all these people wanting to debate about this and that. And, and it's just, they will just eat up all your time if you let them. So there, there, has, to come, there has to be Bible verses that you can look to where you can say, you know what? It's time to... to shake the dust off my feet and go, you know, to another person. I'm burning all my time when I could be helping 20 others who want help. That's how you have to look at it. Satan will put people in your life to try to burn and waste all of your time. That Satan knows all they're going to do, they're not going to they're not going to come around to your, your way of thinking. They're not going to come around to a biblical viewpoint. They're going to get stuck in their little cult theology where they're ha happy and think they're earning their way to wherever they think they're going. And they're better because, oh, I'm sanctimonious. I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm in this little fringe cult. And you know what I believe, truly deep down, I'm the only one that has it figured out, this little cult theology I'm in. I'm thinking, wow, you are so amazing and blessed. Because do you realize that many of these cults hadn't even started up until recently? Even if you look at like things like Mormonism, totally based in the occult, totally repackaged Freemasonry. Okay, well, they believe they're the only ones that are that are really got it figured out, right? They're the only ones really gonna end up in heaven. I realize some of these other cults say, well, these other ones might end up in heaven, or, or maybe they'll just end up in a not so bad a place. Or some of them don't believe in a literal view of hell. A lot of them don't. Okay, but they think they have the audacity to think they're the only ones on the planet that have it figured out. I've arrived. I'm going to wherever it is, Nirvana, Heaven, wherever they think it is, because I found this little cult, or this little cult belief system. Sometimes it's their own little cult belief system, only they believe, and they have the audacity to think they're the only ones on the planet going to Heaven. Pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. That's pride. And pride will blind you. I can't tell you how many thousands of people I've run into like that. And it's it really does boil down to pride. It really does. There's, there's no other explanation for it. Self-deluded, demonically blinded pride. You know? 
I'm the, and it's really, it is the, they have the audacity to think this. I'm the only one that has this figured out. And because God hasn't shown you the exact thing he's supposedly shown me, you're going to hell. Oh, really? Wow, you really are special. You're really something else, I'll tell you. And I cannot tell you how many people I've run into like that. So this is why you have to be rooted in the word of God. I'm not pointing you to me. I'm pointing you to the word of God. The King James Bible in the English speaking language. Okay, that's what I'm pointing you to. Man can fail you. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, um, 9, I believe. So, that's the thing that you have to understand. So people go around and they trust in their own heart. That's what the gays do. That's what the pro, pro-abortion people do. They're trusting in their own wicked heart, which the Bible says is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. People in the, in the pro-death movement, pro, pro-abortion, they're sincere in their belief system. They think they're doing the earth a, a favor by killing all these innocent babies because we have too many people, according to them. Not understanding that their innocent blood's defiling the land and bringing a curse on the land and inviting more devils and demons and fallen angels to have authority over the land and over the people in the land and inviting God's judgment doesn't matter your your uh, the, the heart is deceitful above all things so you have to be grounded in the word of God and whenever your heart contradicts what the word of God would say you go with what the word of God says he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool most people That's their religion. They're trusting in their own heart. Well, I like this religion. It makes me feel good. Or I feel like I'm doing enough worshiping the idols in this religion. I'm going somewhere, you know? Or I'm doing enough works to get me into heaven. It just feels right. You know? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's the norm. Narrow be the way that leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. The norm is the, is the broad way. Okay? This is why we don't go by our opinions. Our opinions are totally irrelevant and useless if they contradict the word of God. So, you have to be grounded in the word of God in order to engage people like this. And they're going to try to trick you. They're going to try to deceive you, delude you. And remember, they've got devils and demons working with them that you can't see. You know, I said this before, but when I was like a baby Christian, we had a guy come into our office. He was a Je- uh, yeah, Jehovah Witness. And nice guy, I think his name was Robert. He had, he had some just massive health problems. I was trying to help him, and he offered to do some work on my computer. I don't know what it was, I forget and, but with these kinds of people, you have to understand, there's always a catch. They've been taught in their cults how to go after particularly Christians. Because for the devil, and the devil's behind these cults, who would he want to shake? Who, whose faith, if he had his choice to, to shake a particular person's faith, who would, the, who would the devil rather have it be? Well, obviously, a real born-again Bible-believing Christian, or even a baby Christian, anybody that is moving in that direction, he's not going to really care if you're a Hindu or Buddhist or that type of thing. Not to say a, a Jehovah Witness wouldn't try to go after somebody like that. But they're primarily drilled and trained to take you to very obscure verses in the Bible in their New World translation. New World Order translation, they should call it. And that's their translation of the Bible. Before they had their New World Translation, they would literally, if you can find old Jehovah Witness Bibles, they'll actually have stuff crossed out in the Bible that where the church said cross it out. So they finally came out with a translation where it was already out of there. That's how they worked it. <laughs> it's a true story. Plus they have all their other extra-biblical garbage they go by. So this guy, he says, all, all I want from you is one thing. He's going to do this work on my computer. Just come over to my house. You can bring your Bible. At the time, I think I had a living translation. And 
Um, we'll go, we're just going to do a little Bible study. So I agreed. Baby Christian, pretty stupid. You don't go into one of these people's houses to have a Bible study. We're not supposed, if we're not supposed to bid the, bring them into our house or bid them Godspeed, we're sure not supposed to go into their house and get into a Bible study with them. And this guy cleaned my clock. Took me to all these obscure verses. The stuff they get into with Michael and and uh, Jesus. And I, I think that they're, they, they believe they're brothers or something. I know the Mormons believe one thing and then whatever. And he had me all messed up. And the thing is, is we just concentrated on these little tiny obscure verses in the Bible. That if you look at them and take them out of context, sure, it's real easy to have your own little cult belief system. And that's how a lot of pseudo-Christian cults get started. They'll focus on one, they'll focus on little obscure verses in scripture, and that's where they build their theology from. Not looking at, at totality at the whole word, word of God. Not studying to show their self-approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, like the Bible says we're supposed to do. Or that says we're supposed to be like Bereans that's searching the scriptures out. Which was a noble thing to do. No, they're trained to take you to these obscure verses or and then eventually get you into extra-biblical stuff. The Hebrew Roots people would be huge for that. Huge. As well. And um, they're there, put in place by Satan to try to, to destroy your faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And... Faith come up by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They're trying to get you literally into their little cult belief system of theology and convert you. Their intentions are not good. They're not pure. They're of Satan. So the last thing you want to do, though, is, is waste all your time on somebody like these people. You know, I mean, unless God's telling you, no, just keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, or you're really getting that strong conviction. They're there to try to destroy your faith. Okay, it's not innocent what they're trying to do. So the Bible says in Proverbs eighteen thirteen, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it is a folly and a shame unto him. Most of the time, if you give somebody like this biblical, even if you just give them pure Bible, they're going to answer the matter before they've heard it because they've already been told how to respond to it. So they've already their their minds made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. Okay. They'll expect you, though, to listen to every single little thing they're going to tell you, but they're, they're not going, they're going to totally try to, they already have their pre-programmed arguments they're going to try to throw at you, that their cult has given them. Okay? So, you have to understand, that's already been done ahead of time. Okay? So, they're going to answer the matter before they've actually heard it. Galatians 4.16 says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Most of the time, you will become someone's enemy when you tell them the truth. All the stuff about the truth shall set you free. That's what you'll hear like in the world. What was the verse before that? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus Christ said that. But he said it, it's dependent upon if you continue in his word. Then are you my disciples indeed. What if you're not continuing in his word? What if you're in some cult and you're not even in the word? <laughs> you know? So, that's why I said, the word is what... It sharpens your spirit. It sharpens you to be able to go into battles like this. But if you don't know the word... You're going to get eaten, eaten alive a lot of the times. You try to engage somebody like this. These people spend way, way more time wanting, uh, uh, learning how to unconvert Christians than I guarantee you you're spending on trying to go against their cult. Typically, for the, for the average Christian, they're not spending time where they would know how to engage somebody like this. Proverbs 26, 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. So if they're just coming up to you and it's just some stupid, crazy, you're not going to devote 
tons of time. They're just there by, they're put there by Satan to just blow all your time. I'm not saying every case, but a lot of the times, yes. And then there's Matthew 7, 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rend you. There's another thing to think about. Nehemiah 6, 3. This is a good one. This is an awesome verse. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave and come down to you? Meaning, they, they were like saying to um, him, Hey, come down, come down. We want you to do this. We want you to focus on this. We want you to do this. This is our priority. And he sent messengers, messengers to them, and he said, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Understand, if God's put you somewhere and you're, and, you're, and you're supposed to be doing what you're doing right now, Satan is going to try to send people into your life to get you off track so that you're not doing it, and so you become totally ineffective for God. I've had to pull my horns in majorly on this ministry because I'm a one-man band, basically, regarding the day-to-day, all the day-to-day stuff. I have people that have helped me with like the website, and, and I thank God for them, and, and, and the, um, those flash drives, and, and thank God for, for um, Paul and Dan and these other people that have, that have helped me, Tim. I mean, I thank God for them, but I'm talking about the day-to-day stuff I'm talking about, putting these PDFs together every week, uh, getting the teachings up, answering the voluminous amount of emails I get, you know, and it's like I've had to pull my horns in. There's just certain things I can't offer. Because I'm one person. I don't I don't have a staff. <laughs> I'm just one person. And I just there's only so much I can do. So I can I understand this, you know. Bear these verses in mind whenever you're dealing with things, because Satan will try to put people in your life that are going to get you off track, is the point here. Now, there is a time though when the following two verses would apply, which would typically be at the beginning of a debate. Proverbs 26.5. Now, we already read Proverbs 26.4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like him. The next verse, though, says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Now, when I first saw those two verses, I went to the associate pastor at this independent Baptist church I was at, and I said, this appears to be... A it's like a, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, the word of God is going to be contradictory, but this appears to be a contradiction. And he's like, you have to understand, with those two verses, there's a time that you do, that you do answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit, which would typically be at the beginning of a debate. And then there's a time that you don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like him, which would, which would typically be kind of like afterward, you know? Like, okay, you've already given them all the facts. They don't want it, the truth. It's very apparent. It's very obvious. They don't want the truth. You know, shake off the dust of your feet, you know, and go to the next person, essentially. So that you have to understand that how you know when that is, well, pray about it. Pray about it. Job 11.2 is also another thing that would kind of be along those lines. It says, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? So there is a time when you engage people like this. And there's also a time that you don't. You go on and you move on so they're not burning up all your time. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the main teaching. This is some of the most horrific news I've ever reported on. Now I know I've said that before, but things are getting incrementally worse. Uh, the stuff that's just happened this last week is, it's, it's almost impossible to even comprehend. Uh, got about 18 pages to cover here from where we're at right now in the study. First report. Now hold on, before I get into this. And then just last night and into today, now we have all the stuff going on with Israel. Again, that's, that's heated up. I'm looking at the cover of Judge Report right now. Syria, Israeli strike is a declaration of war. 
Israel struck Syria. Uh, I believe the first reports were that they took out a, I believe it was an arms shipment from Iran into Syria, go, trying to arm the Islamists there. And Israel took that out, and they've done more since then. The reports on, the, the, the main things on Drudge right now, huge explosions rock capital of Damascus. Uh, online video footage claims to show overnight rocket strike. Syria warns that this opens the door to all possibilities, and that would mean like war, war, which, again, this could quickly evolve into World War III. You have all the Middle East united, and then potentially China and Russia joining in, and then you have America and Israel, and maybe whatever allies they might have. I'm not saying it is, I'm saying it could and there's all these things up on the internet that I'm not even reporting on about potential nuclear strikes on America. Pamela Schufer had this big thing about Operation Ring of Fire this week up on her site. All these pre-planted nukes that they're going to, you know. And if something like this happened where we had, let's say, Israel had an open declaration of war against the Middle East, well, that would be the perfect pretext for the, for us our government to set off these nukes and blame it on it on Islam. Not to say that Islam's not evil. I've documented that many times. But they're the perfect scapegoat in regard to something like that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that there's been, not just from her, but from multiple sources I've seen, potential nuclear strikes on our soil. Which, I mean... <laughs> Going to that, I mean, it's pretty much you're you're in you're in martial law you're in martial law from there on out, and I mean, this would be you know I, I believe that they would shut down the internet pretty much uh, from that point forward. This is the uh, from Reuters. Israel strikes Syria, says targeting Hezbollah arms, and there's a lot of footage now up on the uh, up on the internet of these things. I mean, these are some big explosions, really big. Some people are saying they're they're nuclear. I, I don't know about that, but I don't know. I, I, this says Israeli jets devastated Syrian targets near Damascus on Sunday, in a heavyweight overnight air raid that Western and Israeli officials call a new strike on Iranian missiles bound for Lebanon's Hezbollah. And now again, you could pull Iran into the middle of this as well. So it's not just about Syria, it's also about Iran. Which is, most likely by far, the bigger would be a bigger concern. So this is going on right now. If you go up to Jerusalem Post, um, there's all kind of reports on there. Uh, McCain says Israeli airstrikes could force Obama to act on Syria. So there's there's a lot going on there right now. I, I don't have I don't really have anything in this study because this just broke, and uh, but it's something to be praying about. And um, I don't know if this is going to escalate further. It probably will at least for a time. I don't know if it will then de-escalate like it does most of the time. But one of these days, and I believe it's going to be very soon, it's going to go hot. It's going to stay hot. And from the sources I had. If you listen to my teachings I have and more into the winter, typically they don't like to engage in wars like this in the, in the dead of winter. Um, for a lot of obvious reasons. They like to wait typically till spring when they have better weather to engage in these types of activities. And from what I had reported on, probably going all the way back to the fall, the time that we're in right now was going to be the, the time where you really had to be on the lookout the most. Spring, mid to late spring into the summer, but, but particularly spring, and we're, we're there right now, that was the time they were saying, really, this is the time they are really wanting to pull the trigger on something. Now, whether that happens or not, I don't know. I think God's been incredibly merciful and, and held a lot of this back, most likely due to prayers of the saints and praying and fasting and these types of things and God's mercy. But you see what I'm going to be getting into today. Uh, something's got to give pretty soon. Um, the latest updates, UN calls on Israel 
and Syria to show restraint. Israel closes airspace to civilian flights in the north. Iran says Israeli attack will shorten Zionist this Zionist entity's life. Syria complains to the UN over alleged Israeli strikes, so we'll see. I'm sure this will be developing more over the next week. Now, going back to the main part of the study, we start out with a... It's entitled Martial Law Temporarily Implemented in Boston, Massachusetts, Valley Springs, California, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What do these four places have in common? Well, the first three I listed recently had a, quote, shelter-in-place orders placed upon the area for the apprehension of criminals, while the city of Philadelphia has just issued a shelter-in-place advisory of what to do when ordered to shelter-in-place. Evidently, this new shelter-in-place is a code word for martial law. The masses are cheering it on. Well, not all the masses, but some. And saying, just keep us safe from the latest boogeyman and we'll do whatever the authorities tell us to do. No wonder liberty is nearly dead and gone in America. And I just saw that uh, that interview with uh, Dan Bedondi, um, I think last night or whatever, and he was uh, interviewing the people in that neighborhood where they had had that supposed firefight with the first brother, Tazorev or whatever. And these people, I mean, they got bullet holes all over their houses and their cars and stuff. And, and I mean, they were they were told what was done to them. And these guys, these goons, mostly the federal, were coming in there and basically, you know, listen, we're searching your house, you know, uh, leave your house, do what we say, don't question us, coming in there in the most menacingly, intimidatingly, intimidating way they can. And it's like, well, I guess we just don't have any more rights. We don't have any rights to stay in our house. If they tell us to go, we got to go. If we resist them, they kill us. You know, that's basically the message that was being sent. And they, he interviewed a whole bunch of people. These were the people that were really there. And uh, now are back in their house. But it was pretty much the same story from every one of them. Total insanity. It's like you do whatever Big Brother tells you to do and, and don't you dare, you know, go again, you know, okay. So this is where we're at right now. The next report, um, according to a pair of recent polls, this is from Washington's blog and World, De- World Net Daily reported on it. According to a pair of recent polls, for the first time since 9-11, terrorist hijackings, Americans are more fearful of their government, will abuse constitutional liberties, than fail to keep its citizens safe. They're, so, it's the first time since 9-11 that people are more openly more afraid of their government. And that they're going to abuse constitutional liberties. Even in the wake of the April 15th Boston Marathon bombing, the poll suggests Americans are hesitant to give up any further freedoms in exchange for increased, quote, security. Now, this is good from the standpoint, hopefully, maybe we've reached some type of tipping point, critical mass, I don't know, where people are finally waking up to this fact. But it's also bad from the standpoint, and I think that's why things are so ramping up right now, because I've never seen it like this. Bad from the standpoint that the New World Order, I believe, is getting increasingly more desperate. Because if this is true with public opinion, then that means they're being found out. And then that means they're not going to be able to implement things unless they get it done real quick. Because if people continue to get further and further woken up over these issues, well, they're going to have a harder and harder time implementing their draconian agenda. So they might be there. It might be the theory of we want to strike while the iron's hot. We want to strike while there's still enough people. Not to say that the majority of the nations woke up, but it is it is happening um, at a pace I believe that they're very uncomfortable with, and they're getting more flagrant. So it's actually it's accelerating that process because they're the more flagrant they get, the more people are like, well, wow, that's really in your face. I mean, you know. I don't mind giving up some of my liberties, but this is getting out of control. This might be their opinion. 
So even in the wake of the April 15th Boston Marathon bombing, the poll suggests Americans are hesitant to give up any further freedoms in exchange for increased security. A Fox News survey polling a random national sample of 619 reg- registered voters the day after the bombing found that dis- despite the tragic event, those interviewed responded very differently they, than those following 9-11. I was pleasantly surprised to hear this. And this is what Fox News is admitting to? If they're admitting to that much, it may, may be far better. I don't know, because usually they're going to try to doctor the results. So, you know, wow. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, like I said, but that, that's good for what we're seeing here. Obviously, it's not, I mean, it wouldn't be good if they were more and more dumbed down. And, you know. So for the first time since a similar question was asked in May of 2001, more Americans answered no to the question, would you be willing to give up some of your personal freedoms in order to reduce the threat of terrorism? This is very good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so, I thought that was that was uh, noteworthy that we cover that. Next report. Um... Florida House and Senate budget leaders have awarded Palm Beach County Sheriff Rick Bradshaw $1 million for a new violence prevention unit. Bradshaw plans to use the extra million to launch the prevention intervention. Now, what was this all about? He had said, he had come out and said, this this, uh, sheriff, we want people to call us if the guy down the street says he hates the government. This is a new Florida program encouraging Floridians to report their neighbors for making hateful comments about the government. This is George Orwell, 1984. You better watch what you say because if if your neighbors find out, they're going to report you and you're going down. Total loss of our First Amendment right is what this is about. He's going he's gonna, to uh, use an extra million to launch this prevention intervention then. After he gets this hotline set up, where your neighbors are ratting you out, then he's going to spend another million to launch a prevention intervention units featuring specially trained deputies, mental health professionals, and caseworkers. So here comes Satan, knocking on your front door. The teams will respond to citizen phone calls to a 24-hour hotline with a knock on the door and a referral to services if needed. So all it takes is an accusation from your neighbor. That's all it takes now. It doesn't matter if your neighbor's lying through their teeth. It doesn't matter if your neighbor's just vengeful or a nutcase. No, you're guilty until proven innocent. Bradshaw is readying a hotline and is planning public service announcements to encourage local citizens to report their neighbors, friends, or family members if they fear they could harm themselves or others. He said, quote, we want people to call us if the guy down the street says he hates the government, hates the mayor, and he's going to shoot them. Yeah, I understand if he's making death threats on somebody, but to say you hate your wicked, corrupt, evil government, who could blame him? The government is the number one source that Satan is using to potentially and to, and to bring enslavement on humanity. The government's the one that's funding, or hugely funding, Planned Parenthood. And protecting the gays and doing every manner of wickedness. They're the ones that are enabling all of this, letting all the illegal aliens pour over the borders. And, I mean, spraying chemtrails on us and fluoridating the water and chlorinating the water and... I mean, so much of it is under their 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 blessing. They're in, they're allowing this to all happen. They may not even be the source, but they're enabling other things like Monsanto, like whatever. So many times they are the ap- actual source. So this is the draconian world we're moving into now. People in Palm Beach should be out in force just beyond protesting this. Because if they let them get away with it there, they're going to start implementing it everywhere. And, and you know, whatever 
you know, if Satan could get an inch, he's going to take a mile. That's a great example of all of this that we're reporting on today. Here's the next report. Governor Jerry Brown on Wednesday signed legislation aimed at taking handguns and assault rifles away from 20,000 Californians who acquired them legally but have since been disqualified from ownership because of a criminal conviction or a serious mental illness. Well, that's the world according to them. I wonder how many of, that, of those things are actually really legitimate. Because when you have a rubber ruler, you stretch it any way you want it. You know? So, they're the... Hey, serious mental illness. What, they're a Christian? That would qualify you. Are you a fundamental Christian? Serious mental illness. This is the point I'm trying to make here. And I'm going to go way further into that coming up. That whole point about Christians. The measure, the first of several gun... The first of several gun-related bills. Remember, this is all about incrementalism. To reach the governor allocates $24 million in surplus funds to hire dozens of additional special agents to tackle a backlog of 40,000 weapons in the hands of people not allowed to possess firearms, who all legally obtained them, even though, what if they just, what if they had it handed down from their dad, or whatever? You know, they're saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do it. No, you don't. Private transactions, they haven't banned it yet. Now, maybe in some states, I don't know, but overall, they have not banned private transactions. They're trying to. They're trying to have background checks on everything. That's what Obama's pushing for, which would turn every single person that would ever want to do anything with a gun into a, into a firearm dealer, essentially, which is totally stupid and impractical. And all they're doing it for is to have a registering database of who's got what, so that when they come to get it, they can ask, they can say, okay, we know they've got this, and we need to get this. Then once they have them all registered, then they come and confiscate them. And then they terminate. Terminate the dissenters. So that's, that's, their, that's their ultimate plan. This is why this has to be resisted in its initial stages. Because again, if, if you let this happen, then it's just going to go into gun confiscation, into you know martial law, into prison camps. I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't protect a person or intervene. In a particular given situation, I'm just talking about from a general standpoint. So this is just the first of several gun-related bills. And it allocates $24 million to hire dozens of additional special agents. Now, let's say they go out there and they do whatever they're going to do. And they're going to make a lot of examples of people. And they want to have this... This is the excuse they're using initially for gun confiscation. What is? What are we going to be seeing? We're going to be seeing especially in California, they're going to be seeing news clips of guys that, you know, they tracked down and they weren't just arbitrarily turning their weapons in. They weren't being good little Nazis and just, oh, here, here, here. I don't have the right anymore to have this firearm. I don't have any more Second Amendment right because of whatever you said about me. You know there's going to be people that aren't going to voluntarily do this. Um, what they're going to be showing is people voluntarily turning their guns in, being good little Nazis, and they're going to be showing the ones that don't do that. And they'll be breaking down SWAT team in their houses. And there's probably going to be people killed. And um, they're going to be showing that as well to intimidate you. They want to get these images in your head. They want to get this concept drilled into your head so that when they start mass gun confiscation, you've already, you've already been there, done it, kind of seen it. It's already been on the news. You're more ingrained into that type of thinking. That's exactly why they're doing this. Do you think those special agents they're hiring with this $24 million are just going to uh, they're just going to decommission them once they get all the guns? No. They're going to be like, okay, let's go to phase two. You still got your job. You better believe it. Now we're going to go to phase two. So this is, remember, this is just the first of several gun-related bills they're trying to railroad through. So California is going to be ground zero for a lot of this stuff probably initially being implemented. Not to say it's not going to spread elsewhere, but California is obviously a lot more liberal than a lot of other places and they have a lot more problems in that regard. So, next report. Red alert, Eric Holder says the feds will ignore state laws and enforce the gun grab. In response to the governor of Kansas, Attorney General Eric Holder has stated the feds will enforce the gun grab. It's pretty huge. I have a link here 
which is the response from the Secretary of State of Kansas to Eric Holder's threats against the Second Amendment. And you can click on that, read it. But I'm going to go ahead and play this YouTube clip and let him, I think it's like a six-minute video, I'm going to let him explain it. And then if you want to know more, I have several links here you can click on where you can explore this further. Hey guys, Dabu 7, May 4th, 2013, the day of the Kentucky Derby. I have huge news concerning our rights and our freedoms in this country. Eric Holder is saying that the feds will ignore state laws to enforce their gun grab. And they're going to do it. I also want to restate the fact that the United States of America, as you know it, is not a country. It is a corporation who is owned by the Queen, who is in turn owned by the Vatican, who is in turn owned and controlled by the Rothschilds and banking dynasties of this planet that is controlling every single thing that you're seeing take place in your life and all around the world. Eric Holder has written back to Governor Sam Brownback of Kansas informing him that the Obama administration considers state attempts to protect the Second Amendment unconstitutional. Can you believe that? And that federal agents will continue to execute their duties regardless of the state statutes to the contrary. Now, the right of the states to refuse to enforce unconstitutional federal acts is known is nullification. Nullification is a concept of constitutional law recognizing the right of each state to nullify or invalidate any federal measure that exceeds the few and defined powers allowed the federal governments as enumerated in the Constitution. Now, with that said, the nullification is put in place by the state of Kansas, and Eric Holder is telling him that we're not, it's no good. You've got it all twisted. You're wrong. Um, the federal government has all tyrannical power. Okay? Both Attorney General Holder and President Obama are trained lawyers. So one would expect that they have read the Federalist Papers. In fairness, say they have. But perhaps they overlook Federalist number 33. Of all, number 33. Where Alexander Hamilton explained the legal validity of federal acts that exceed the powers granted to it by the Constitution. Now, he writes that in a number of political societies entered into a, a larger political society, the law which the latter may enact pursuant to the powers entrusted to it by the Constitution must necessarily be supreme over those societies and the individuals of whom they are composed. But it will not follow from its doctrine that acts of a larger society which are not pursuant, that are not pursuant to its constitutional powers, but which are evasions of the residuary authorities of the smaller societies, will become the supreme law of the land. These will be merely acts of your separation and will deserve to be treated as such. Holder denies that the states have the right to withstand the federal tyranny. It argues that the Constitution declares that the federal acts are the supreme law of the land. Now, his comments echo a common misreading and a misunderstanding of Article 6 of the Constitution, the so-called Supremacy Clause. The Supremacy Clause, as some wrongly call it, of Article 6, does not declare that federal laws are the supreme law of the land without qualification. What it says is that the Constitution and laws of the United States made in pursuance thereof are supreme laws of the land. It has to be in the best interest of the Constitution, period, or it's out the window. Now, read that clause again. In pursuance thereof, not in violation thereof, if an act of Congress is not permissible under any enumerated power given to it in the Constitution, it was not made in pursuance of the Constitution. And therefore, not only is it not the supreme law of the land, it's not even a law at all. So it appears that we've arrived at a time in history where 
Our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, are considered enemies of liberty. In the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions, Jefferson and Madison declared their allegiance to the Union, but insisted that states have the right, the duty, to interpose themselves between citizens and acts of the federal government. And more importantly, by disregarding a legally enacted Kansas statute preserving the right of its citizens to keep and bear arms, the Obama administration is not only ignoring the Second Amendment, but is also ignoring the Tenth Amendment and its restrictions on federal power. I hope this gives you a little bit of a clearer picture here to see what they're doing here. They're twisting the terminology of our Constitution and certain articles, and as you can see, they're standing behind a lie, and they're ready to come for our guns, and it's going to take another event. And I feel we're on the doorstep of it, folks. I hate to say it. Let's hope the Kentucky Derby today goes by without a hitch. And everything is good. And the best thing that we can do, folks, is continue to spread this knowledge. Continue to spread it to people and help awaken them. And let them see what their government is doing to them. And how they are unconstitutionally coming for your guns. They don't have a right to do this and let people know that their states are trying to stand up and protect them to see that this is a battle, a battle that we must win. And the only way we're going to do it is with our freedoms and with these right here. Until next time, guys, this is Dabu 7 with some underground world news. Okay, so the one thing he said in there to pay attention to as well is when he said this full implementation of gun grab of total suspension of second amendment first amendment you name it probably suspension of the constitution in general that's not going to happen unless there's another event now maybe it will be like incremental maybe it'll be more incremental like uh, we go from Aurora to Sandy Hook to the Boston Marathon bombings, and then you could go way back from that, all the way back to 9-11. And before, but, you know, maybe there'll be one more really, really big catalyzing event, which will supposedly give them the excuse to say, no, we're done with hearing about your Second Amendment rights and your First Amendment rights and any other right you think you might have. You're under martial law. Um, anything goes... We're your gods. We say what you do and what you don't do. We take what we want, and you're going to like it. That's what he's talking about with this other event. So they're really, 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 really posturing, and seems like they're really getting geared up for um, this going hot. All of these things that we've been talking about for so many years uh, unlike anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. Next report. When Jared Markham was suspended from school and arrested for wearing an NRA Protect Your Rights t-shirt, NRA National Rifle Association, it drew national attention. He wore this to school. He wore an NRA Protect Your Rights t-shirt to school. Okay. Afterwards, um, he, so he was suspended from school for wearing this. Now, if he was wearing a gay flag, he'd be commended. If he was wearing, you know, some Planned Parenthood shirt, he'd be commended. You know, or whatever. But you can't, you know, have anything like this on there. You can't say, you know, protect your Second Amendment rights. That's that's just terrible. Well, afterwards, the liberal bullies at Logan County Schools who thought they could get away with picking on a 14-year-old kid started to become a lot more reasonable. Why? Because they pushed back. Um... It didn't hurt that a video turned up that showed the teacher yelling at Jared for refusing to turn his shirt inside out, while other fellow students were chanting his name in support. Wow, some kids with some backbones. <laughs> you know, good for them. Although the, the petulant school did not apologize or talk to Jared's father, his suspension turned out to be only a day long. The Markham family, their lawyer Ben White, and the gun rights group, the Sons of the Second Amendment, didn't just meekly accept the school's non-apology. 
when you're dealing with Satan, you don't just meekly accept whatever he tells you, is, is the point here. Okay? Because most Americans have meekly accepted their servitude and openly embraced it is a big reason that we're in the shape we're in. And not only that, the 501c3 corporate churches are doing their, their good old part as well. So, Jared Markham returned to school wearing the same shirt. Moreover, he was joined by a hundred other students wearing the same NRA Protect Your Rights shirts that were actually uh, provided, I guess, donated by the Sons of the Second Amendment. None of them were suspended for or arrested for wearing the shirts. See, when enough people do it in mass, they can't arrest everybody. Satan will, will get away with whatever you let him get away with, is the, mo- is the moral of the story here. So again, just incrementally, everywhere you look, they're just trying to just take away everything they can take away from us. Um, Next report. All over the United States, we are witnessing unprecedented shortages of ammunition, physical gold, and physical silver. Um, I personally haven't seen 22 long rifle. Oh man, it's probably been good over a month. Whereas I have seen some 9mm... But you have to get to these places right when it comes in, typically. Um, seen 40 cal, 5.56, 5, 5. 5.23, double lock buck, 12 gauge. I've seen other things that I hadn't seen as much of. So some of the ammo seems like it's coming back a little bit. Some of it seems like it's not coming back. It just depends on the caliber. Anyway, that's just been my assessment. Um, Recent events have helped to fuel a buying frenzy that threatens to spiral out of control. Gun shops all over the nation are reporting they have never seen it this bad. In many cases, any ammo that they are able to get is being sold even before it hits the shelves. The ammo shortage has already become so severe that police departments all over America are saying that they are being told that it is going to take six months to a year to get their orders. See, they'd be the... The police, and particularly the sheriff, I would believe will be the last on the list. Particularly the sheriff. <laughs> because the New World Order doesn't necessarily want them being armed. I mean, there's already so many sheriffs that have made these statements saying that they're not going to enforce unconstitutional uh, edicts against the Second Amendment. Every single one in Utah. Every single, I think every single one in Utah, but maybe one. Every single sheriff in Florida have all signed that. So, who, they, who do they want to arm? They're going to want to arm the foreign troops they would bring in for martial law and Homeland Security, who has been arming to the teeth. FEMA, Homeland Security. So that's who they're going to want to arm. They're federal. The federal guys. Not so much the local guys that like live in a particular area and have families and, and would not be near as prone to go along with all the draconian garbage. So, in fact, many police departments have begun to trade and barter with one another to get the ammo that they needed. Meanwhile, the takedown of paper gold and paper silver has unleashed an avalanche of panic buying of physical gold and physical silver all over the planet. The reason that the gold and silver prices dropped is because of the whole paper, the, the whole them flooding the market with paper silver and paper gold. The, like the bonds, or the gold bonds and things like that. Which aren't... So much of the time they're going to find people that have that, they're not worth the paper they're printed off. When they go to actually, if they go in and try to actually get the physical gold, they're going to find out it doesn't exist. So they flood the market with all this paper, drives the prices down. But real gold and real silver, that's not the case at all. uh, In the United States, some dealers are charging premiums of more than 25% over spot price for gold and silver that they're getting in because... No matter how much the Rothschilds want to try to manipulate, because they're the ones that decide the price for gold and silver every day. No matter how much they want to try to manipulate gold and silver prices, it's still about supply and demand. And if there's a huge demand for physical gold and physical silver, which there is, that is going to still drive the prices up, regardless of what they want to say it's worth. And it really stinks the fact that you've got the most satanic family on the planet deciding the price of gold and silver every day. Because they're going to do everything in the world to make sure it stays down. For the most part. 
at least in this time frame. People are paying these prices even though they are being told that delivery will not happen for a month or in, or in some cases two months in many cases. So they're going there. Not only are they paying cash for gold and silver they can't get for up to two months, but they're paying 25% over spot price. <laughs> That's a lot for something they may never, never even get. That's how desperate people are for gold and silver. Some dealers are feverishly taking as many orders as they can, and they are just hoping that they will be able to get the physical gold and silver to eventually fill those orders. Uh, all I can say is I hope that they're... Um, I hope that they're morally upright, the people that are doing this, because, you know, I hope they don't take the money and run. You know, if they re- particularly if they realize they're not going to... the gold and silver's not going to come in. And here's the deal. I mean, if something were to happen, if there was any kind of event, a false flag event, if we went into martial law, I mean, everything's going to come to a screeching halt in a ton of different ways in this country. So, personally, I've never seen anything like this. If things are this tight now, what is going to happen when the next major financial crisis strikes and people really begin to panic? That's kind of the scenario I just sent it talked about. And shortages and rationing of ammunition at gun shops all over America just seem to keep getting worse. Yeah, that's true. It's like the new currency almost seems like it's going to be turning into ammo, potentially guns, obviously food, water purification, things of this nature, and gold and silver. Things that have real tangible value. Not like some silver certificate that has nothing backing it, or our fiat money, which is fake money, that has nothing backing it. Next report. Backlog on gun orders hits 2 million. America is weaponizing itself at an unheard of pace. Now, this is another thing the New World Order is observing and not liking. And this is another reason I believe that they're truly trying to increase the... uh, Accelerate the timetable here. And getting more and more flagrant. It's almost like they're trying to provoke particularly pro-Second Amendment, pro-life, pro-Constitution, pro-conservative, pro-Bible, pro-Christian. They're just going out of their way right now to try to provoke that whole sect of society until somebody finally pushes back, and then they're going to say, oh, see, we have no choice but to start this this whatever, civil war, whatever they're going to call it. Because, you know, they, they fought back, even though it's just, you know, you, you're pushing, like you're pushing an animal into a corner. Eventually they're going to fight. And this is what it seems like they're trying to do, purposely and obviously, to bring their order out of the chaos they want to create. While questions continue to swirl about the Department of Homeland Security's huge ammo buying spree, Americans are finding it increasingly difficult to obtain firearms with backlogs surging despite, uh, in this case, Strum Ruger's gun shipments surpassing 500,000 for the first time in history. Figures show that units produced and shipped by just this one company have gone beyond 1 million a quarter for the first time ever. There are also a 2 million... uh, 2 million order firearm backlog, which is a 100% increase from a year ago, and a 40% increase in just from just the previous quarter. Um, people are trying to get particular types of weapons. You know, there's still weapons available, but certain a lot of people want specific types of weapons. Weapons they feel are going to probably be banned. You know, and I think this has a lot to do with that. So that that's we're dealing with that as well. Now here's a chart. It's called Gun Control, The Tale of Two Cities. You have Chicago, Illinois, and Houston, Texas. Now, this is on the PDF I'm going over for this teaching. And um, you get the population of each. Chicago's 2.7 million. Houston's 2.15 million. And then they have a lot of their statistics. The breakdown of the demographics. uh, The medium household income. And then you get to the concealed carry gun law. And... No, there's no concealed carry gun law in Chicago. Okay. In Houston, Texas, there is. Number of gun stores in Chicago. 
Zero. Zero. Nobody can legally carry concealed, and there's no gun shops. Wow. I mean, this is like Adolf Hitler's dream, or Stalin's dream, as far as if somebody's going to want to try to... A dictator's dream. Pol Pot, you name it. No concealed carry, no gun shops. The only one that has the guns are the bad guys, the criminals, and the government. Number of gun stores in Houston, 84. Dedicated gun stores, plus 1,500 legal places to also buy guns. Just in Houston. So you could say 1,584 places you could potentially buy guns in Houston. Okay. Homicides in 2012. 806 in Chicago. Okay. Which has no concealed carry, no gun shops, Basically, guns are banned if you're a law-abiding citizen. Okay. Number of homicides, 2012 in Houston, 207. Okay, so Chicago had 806 and has a higher population, 2.7 million. Houston, 2.15 million, almost oh, over half a million less people, only has 207 homicides compared to 806 in Chicago in the same year. Homicides per 100,000 people, okay? 28.4 people of 100,000 died of these um, homicides, okay? Which is a, okay, what is Houston's? 9.6. So 9.6 out of 100,000 people in Houston die of homicides. In Chicago, it's 28.4 people out of 100,000. Now, 28.4 28.4 is a 296 higher, 296 percent higher murder rate than Houston. Both big cities, but you can see the tail of these two cities. One you can carry concealed. One has over uh, 1,584 places you can buy guns. Okay. The other no concealed Chicago, no no gun stores. A 296 percent higher murder rate than Houston. That's the fruit of gun control. Just one example. Just one small example of what we're talking about here. So I, I wanted to throw that in there because I I, <laughs> I love stuff like that because it's very black and white. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and end part one here and we're going to switch gears a little bit and um, slightly switch gears and go into another subject. So God bless you and we'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line 450, Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West. Number 202, third line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.